Good morning. Welcome to Bible Meditation on Book of Ezekiel. Today we're going to look at chapter 38 and 39. Now, many Bible scholars consider this section of Ezekiel to rank the most difficult prophetic passages in the scripture, and they don't all agree in their interpretations. Some have identified this invasion with the Battle of Armageddon, described in Revelation chapter 16 and chapter 19. But the contrast between these two events are too obvious. Others see Ezekiel chapter 38-39 as a description of an idol battle that showed the Jewish in exile of God's power to protect his people. While the assurance is certainly there, this approach doesn't explain the many details recorded in these two chapters. And so we will approach this chapter assuming that they are describing actual events. The reference to the Gogs and Magog in Revelations chapter 20 has led some students to place these invasions after the millennium. But this interpretation also has its problem. The army described in verse 8 will come from the four corners of the earth, while Gog's armies will be compromised of men from six nations and will invade from the north. Also, if fire from heaven devours the armies mentioned in verse 8, why would it be necessary to spend seven months burying the bodies and seven years into eternity, burning the weapons? The words Gog and Magogs are probably used to relate to prophetic events, but not to equate them. Both Ezekiel and John describes attack against Jerusalem and Jews. In both events, the Lord delivers his, his people. Now, before we examine Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39, we should review the prophetic situations prior to this invasions of the Holy Land. The next crisis event on Christ's prophetic calendar is the rapture of the church, an event that occurs at any time. That's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 through 18. Now, Jesus Christ will come in the air and call his people to be with them in heaven according to Daniel chapter 9, verse 24 and 27. The nations of Israel will make an agreement with the head of a, a tensions between the European coalitions to protect them for seven years so they can rebuild their temple in Jerusalem. Now, we don't know how much time elapsed between the raptures of the church and the signing of this covenant. It's the signing of the covenant that triggers the stars of a seven years of tribulations, Pierce describes in Matthew chapter 24 and Revelation chapter 6 through 19. Now, after three and a half years, this European leader will emerge as the Antichrist, which is the beast. He will break the covenant with Israel and set up his own image in Jewish temple and try to force the world to worship and obey him. Now, during the, the last three and a half years of tribulations period, the world ex will experience the wrath of God. And this period will climax with the return of Christ to earth to defeat Satan and the beasts, establish his kingdom. And that's when the battle of Armageddon will be fought. Now, if this is the correct sequence of prophetic events, then during the first half of the tribulations period, Israel will be in our land, protected by the strongest political leaders in the world. And it will be a time of peace and safety when the other nations won't threaten them. 
Since we don't know how much time will elapse between the raptures of the church and the signing of the covenant, it's possible that the Jewish and its powerful European leader will complete their negotiations very soon after the saints have been taken out. Now, we don't know how much long it will take for Israel to rebuild the temple, but it will be complete by the middle of this seven-year period. And that's when this powerful European leader will break the covenant and reveal himself as a man of sin and set up his own image in the te temple. So with this in mind, God began to tell chapter 38 and 39 how the end time will come to play. And here now, at, after finishing this chapter, near the end of this chapter 39, verse 25 says this, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will restore the fortunes of Jacob and have mercy on the whole house of Israel. And I will be jealous for my holy name. They shall, be, they shall forget their shame and all the tetris uh, they have practiced against me. When they dwell securely in their land with none to make them afraid. And I have brought them back from the peoples and gathered them from the enemy's land and through them have vindicated my holiness in the sight of many nations, then they shall know that I am the Lord their God. Because I sent them into exile among the nations, and then assembled them into their own land, I will leave none of them remaining among the nations anymore, and I will not hide my face anymore from them. When I pour out my Spirit upon the house of Israel, declares the Lord God. This is the word of God. And so if you read chapter 30 and chapter 39, you will see how God explains how he's going to destroy the people of the Gog and the Magog. Now why is he telling about these future events that's going to happen? And one of the reasons I, I believe is because God is trying to tell them, even though this is not this is not, it's not going to happen in their timing or even our timing, in fact. I don't think it will. But he's telling them to show them, to let them know that God is in control. He knows what's going to happen in the future and he knows exactly who's going to do this and he knows the timing when this will happen. No one will know when the temple will be rebuilt. But we will see it in the future, of course. But God knows everything. And thus, at the end, as God tells them how they're going to be destroyed and how the Europeans are going to come together and this Antichrist is going to come and destroy the saints and then the Christ will come, He's telling them very in detail how He's going to do this. And at the end, he tells them that he's going to restore his people. And thus, God is in control in every situation. And he's telling them, don't be afraid. I know the future. I know what's going to happen for you and for my people. Therefore, all you need to do is to trust me. And remember that you will be restored once again. And so perhaps this passage may, may not hit us, but people like in China or India, as they're being persecuted in Africa, their, their lives are destroyed. 
pastors are in prisons, and their family is being persecuted. And they are reminded that God will restore them once again. And so let us also remember: perhaps we are not being persecuted just like the people in the third world country, but let us remember that God is in control in every way, as our nations are slowly, slowly rejecting the Lord, as schools are rejecting God's words, as our governors are slowly rejecting the word of God. Let us remember to be faithful in our faith in the Lord, and let us remember that God is in control. Do you believe in that? If that is true, then may the joy of the Lord will be your strength today. Well, thank you for your time, and I will see you next week.